It is a real privilege to be able to share the amazing stories of our guests here on the Ortho Show. Sometimes I'm lucky enough to, that I actually get to interview one of my friends, and that's this week. It's Dr. Michael Gerhardt. He's an orthopedic surgeon in Southern California at the Santa Monica Orthopedic Group. He's a sports medicine specialist, but really his area of expertise is hip arthroscopy. He's really started at the beginning. He worked with uh, Dr. Thomas Bird, did a fellowship, and really over the last 20 years has honed his experience and is one of the leaders of industry in hip arthroscopy. He's in Southern California in LA. We've got some great stories about dancing with the stars. We've got stories about his life with soccer as well. He's really just an amazing dude, good friend of mine. You're going to love this episode. Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro. So this week's episode of the Ortho Show is sponsored by Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers. We really got some amazing news that just came out of the CDC. The official revised guidelines for opioid prescribing have now been made official by the Centers for Disease Control. They talked about alternative options for opioids for patients that have acute, subacute, and chronic pain. And that's right, listeners. The Ortho Laser Orthopedic Laser Centers uses laser, which is now on the recommended list by the CDC for acute, subacute, and chronic pain. This really validates what we've seen at the clinical side with our orthopedic laser centers. That's why our national growth is on a, a tremendous expansion at this point. So there you go. Ortho laser, orthopedic laser centers with CDC validated alternative options for pain management with laser. From Medical Media, this is The Author Show. Hello world, Dr. Scott Sigmund, your favorite opioid-sparing orthopedic surgeon here for another episode of the Ortho Show podcast, where everyone knows we bring you the best and the best in orthopedics. You know, I love my job. I love doing this. It's a labor of love. This week, we're featuring Michael Gerhardt, who's not only an orthopedic surgeon, but he is my dear friend. So love to have him on. He's a sports medicine specialist. He's one of the top hip arthroscopy specialists in the country. He's on staff at the Santa Monica Orthopedic Group, which is my home away from home. And he's also the director of education for whatever they're calling it these days, Curlin Job, Cedar Sane, Smog, something, Sports Fellowship. <laughs> What's up, Gerhardt? How are you, brother? Uh -huh. All good. All good. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I love it. Love to see you. I'm so jealous. You were just talking about before we came on air that you're out of Bozeman, Montana with Kevin Earhart and Z and Ramin Modaver, just my dear friends and Rob Andrews as well. Just must have been a great weekend hanging out in God's country, big sky. It was amazing. We uh, we hashed over a few old memories. Your name came up, of course. We wish you could have joined us, but uh we represented well, and we came out, uh, despite the snowmobiling, we came out without any orthopedic injuries, which was a bonus. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some of those snowmobile orthopedic injuries out there in Bozeman, Montana, but what a, what a beautiful spot for sure. So listen, man, where we always start, we always start from the beginning, you know, talk to us about where you were, where you were brought up, and then the process of like when orthopedics came to mind, but give it to us from the beginning. Well, I grew up in a little town here on the central coast of California called San Luis Obispo, affectionately uh, referred to as Slow Town. 
So uh, I was from this sleepy little slow town and, uh, you know, grew up uh, playing sports and, and fishing and uh, doing all kinds of things, surfing out on that coast and uh, ended up in uh, college uh, thinking I wanted to be an engineer like my dad. And um, I got to UC San Diego and realized that uh, I'm not sure I was quite smart enough for the engineering department. So I shifted gears to uh, biology, biochemistry, and uh, somehow I got into uh, medical school and ended up in Pennsylvania, still not knowing what field exactly I wanted to go into. I actually liked a lot of different things. Pretty much every rotation I did, I loved. Um, you know, the, the pediatric rotations, surgery rotations, emergency medicine, and then I got to the orthopedic uh, rotation and I really found my niche, guys that were like myself, similar backgrounds. Uh, there was an engineering component to it. You know, I grew up with my dad who was an engineer and a, and a, and a, a grease monkey and, and we were working on race cars in the garage all the time. And a lot of those tools just were comfortable in my hands in the operating room and it really resonated with me. So that's kind of how I got hooked into the orthopedics thing. and. Uh, as you know, you know, you, you're not going to be sure if you make the right decision on um, what you choose. And so I got into residency, hoping that that was going to be something I love. And I can honestly say it's a great job. It's a wonderful choice for me. And I'm so happy. Oh, we're the coolest. I mean, there's a lot of other things you could do, but the coolest guys are sports medicine with peak surgeons. Everybody knows that. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty basic. But no, listen, listen, so you're, so listen, I want to roll back a second. I mean, how the hell were you studying at UCSD in La Jolla? Come on, dude. I mean, like that is one of the prettiest places on the planet, right? Yeah, it, it really was. Uh, it, it was tough to, to keep my head uh, down and, and focused on studying. And, um, you know, I was a fairly simple creature back then. All I really did was I played on soccer team there and I, and I liked to surf and uh, golf a little bit. And that's kind of all I did um, besides studying. So uh, somehow I got good enough grades and, and, and made it through and UCSD, you know, it, it, it's a very competitive school, despite it being in that beautiful environment. So it really sharpened me, I think. Uh, once I got to medical school, I actually felt like I was really well prepared coming out of there. So it all worked out. That's awesome. My oldest is in Carlsbad. So he's always talking ah. taco, tacos and surfing, man. That's what we do out here. That's it. That's <laughs> it. Is it. So it true. hasn't changed. It has not changed at all. I'm actually heading out for a wedding there in a couple of months. I'm actually excited to head back. All right. So you go out to you know Medical College of PA. You finally figured out that really orthopedics is the place for you. It fits well with your engineering background from dad and the tinkering and the sports and all that. And then you work your way back to California, which is no easy feat. And you get a residency at USC, which, you know, it's interesting. We just had Rafi Mizrani on who I know you know well, who uh, was just talking about the USC uh, residency as well. I mean, that was sort of a, a trauma-laden residency. I mean, you were learning orthopedics in the trenches while you were there in that in that program for sure. That's right. Yeah, Rafi was one of my senior residents. I really look up to him. Still do. Great guy. Uh, we were in the trenches, literally. Um, at that time in the 90s, uh, as he probably went into you know, L.A. County was one of the busiest uh, trauma centers in the world. And, and really, uh, at that time, there was a lot of gang warfare in Los Angeles. And we were getting gunshot wounds left, right and center. I mean, it, it really was a um, 
an incredible place to train. Um, in fact, it was so, it's such a great training program for gunshot wounds that, uh, you know, the, the military were sending their residents out because it was the closest thing to warfare uh, that you could find in the world at that time. And these guys knew how to take care of these wounds. So uh, that being said, uh, it was a great place to train. Um, it was a great foundation. As you know, you know, trauma orthopedics is a foundation of everything we do. And uh, I was really, you know, thankful that I matched with USC and uh, that brought me back to California. Um, and I, you know, haven't left since. Yeah. You know, another one that stuck it out, you California guys, you figure out a way to get back there. We're going to talk about your fellowship next. And I think that, uh, you know, the Santa Monica Orthopedic Fellowship, that sports fellowship was a very sought after fellowship. And here you are, you're in LA, you get to stick around, you get to stay in Santa Monica now. And you're working with Tom Knapp and your brother now, Ramin Modaber and Kevin Earhart, you know, just to name a few. And uh, what a great fellowship. And then, of course, Jason Scott is your co-fellow. Right. That's right. Uh, pulls That's out right. another one of our brothers that's just an amazing, you know, orthopedic surgeon, just like yourself. It's so funny how we grow up together, right? We're young, we're hanging out, lots of fun. And next thing you know, we're the old guys in the room. That's right. That's right. It, it seems like it wasn't that long ago, uh, but it was actually 2002 when Jason Scott and I matched at uh, in Santa Monica. And God, what a what a great year I had uh, with him and all the guys you mentioned. Um, you, you know, as you, as you remember, coming out of residency, you're not quite sure, you know, where you're going to end up, where you're going to match. Um, and I was fearful I was going to end up, you know, somewhere cold again. And uh, so I pretty much only, um, you know, uh, applied to places that were kind of warmer environments like I was used to. But what drew me to Santa Monica was actually, um, you know, I, I was a not only a soccer player in, uh, growing up, but a huge soccer fan. And at the time, um, soccer medicine, uh, where you could actually take care of soccer athletes, it didn't really exist in the United States. There were places in Europe, of course, but the, you know, and I, and I was searching long and hard, and lo and behold, right here in Los Angeles was the premier soccer medicine doctor at the time, Dr. Bert Mandelbaum. And I called him up and I said, hey, um, I'd love to apply for your fellowship. And he said, well, you know, why don't you come down next week and hang out? We'll talk about it. So I went and met with him. And, uh, you know, he, he had already been taking a, a care of the United States men's soccer team, the women's team. We'd been to World Cups. And I thought this is this is meant to be. And fortunately, uh, everything lined up that I was able to match there. And and it was an incredible year of training in the broad field of orthopedic sports medicine. But specifically for me, learning how to take care of the soccer athlete, which now is a much more common space uh, in the United States. But but Bert was really the one that brought it to the forefront. So I, I thank him for for a lot of things in my life. Yeah, and I'm really happy that you're able to stay in Southern California. I didn't want you to go in any place too cold. I know how you, <laughs> I know how you Southern California guys get, but no, I mean, Bert. We're Bert, soft, we're soft, I admit it. <laughs> exactly. But no, Bert helped create the space. I mean, the soccer space, you know, Bert's at the World Cup, you know, just this year, you know, taking That's care right. of the team and and do all the things that he does. And so, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that because I do want to focus on your involvement in soccer now. That, that year catapulted you to the point now where you – you know, help take care of the LA Galaxy. We'll talk about that. But before we get there, you did you did some more training because you recognized, you know, 
within the world uh, at the time that hip arthroscopy in particular was something that was was burgeoning, it was coming, but really there weren't a lot of people that were doing it. And this was, you know, 2002, 2003, very early on in hip arthroscopy. So you decided to go and hang out with the godfather of of hip arthroscopy, Thomas Bird. So tell us about that fellowship too. I know that must've been an um, amazing experience for you. Yeah. I mean, that was another thing that, um, you know, it just, the the things lined up for me that um, when I was, uh, offered a position at the Santa Monica group with Bert and Tom and Kevin and all these guys. Um, they kind of had the space cornered in knee and shoulder, hand and elbow. And uh, I thought, well, what am I going to do if I come to this group? And, and um, Bert, fortunately, uh, rec- uh, suggested that I look into the hip. And uh, so again, I'm, I'm searching around and I'm looking for who can, who can I learn hip arthroscopy from it? It really was only very few people in the world. And, um, through the connections through AOSSM, as well as, uh, Bert Mandelbaum, I was able to interview with Thomas Bird and, uh, what a gentleman he is. I mean, gosh, uh, he, he, without hesitation, he offered to have me come out, uh, teach me this new specialty. I remember, uh, towards the end of my fellowship, uh, we actually did a, a hip arthroscopy, or we tried to do a hip arthroscopy, <laughs> I should say. And, uh, you know, we studied up on it, and we had the reps there, and we had everything. And, and I mean, it was, I mean, we barely got a peek in that joint. And I thought, there has to be an easier way to do this. I mean, it's just, uh, there has to be. So, you know, it was like the lights going on. When I went out and spent time in Nashville with, with Dr. Bird, um, I said, aha, th- that's how you do it. Um, you know, but even at that time, uh, all we were doing was we were distracting the hip joint, getting a a camera in, hopefully, you know, without scratching any cartilage on our way in, maybe finding a labral tear, trimming it. And that was it. And we patted patted ourselves on the back and, and thought we'd done this great thing for this patient. But, but, but that's how these things start, right? Like at some point, the knee was the same thing for, for surgeons and the, the shoulder was the same thing. So you got to start somewhere. And it really truly was the very beginnings of hip preservation, uh, arthroscopic hip preservation. And it's blossomed from there. I mean, it's become incredibly uh, popular. The technology, uh, the evolution of this field has been so amazing to watch and, and to be a small part of It's It's been really exciting. I mean, I got a funny story for you too. You know, I'm in my residency. I'm at New England Baptist Hospital and I'm with Joe McCarthy, who arguably is another one of the earliest adopters of of hip arthroscopy. And this is like 94. And we're like, dude, you know, all right, man, let's just get in. Like, let's just get in, right? (laughs) It's like, man, we landed the spaceship on the moon. We're in and we're like, well, now what do we do? We're like, well, maybe there's a loose body. Maybe there's yeah. like a, a little labral tear that we can trim up a little bit. That's right. You know, it was, it, it just was such in its infancy. So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, because I, I, I first and foremost, I want to congratulate you and for our listeners out there, especially our young listeners who are in the process of thinking about what, what job they're going to go into, et cetera. I think your story about identifying a need within, first of all, an amazing practice. They just 
there are not that many job opportunities at Santa Monica Orthopedic Group to, to open. For those that don't know, St. John's Hospital is on the Pacific Ocean on Wilshire Boulevard. It's like in the coolest spot on the planet and just it's amazing. So, you know, like a job opens up like every 20 years. So you got to take the job. But now it's like, OK, let me engineer okay, a way in which I'm going to be special and I'm going to have, you know, a real opportunity. So kudos to you. I think that's great for our listeners to hear. But let's dive into hip arthroscopy a little bit because it's gone from, you know, just getting in there now to amazing, like your, the ability to prevent, hopefully by repairing labrum that you don't go under arthritis. Now you're doing rotator cuff repairs of the hip with gluteus. So, so remember my mother, Judy's listening, so you can't be too technical, but give so give us some ideas to the listeners about what's going on in hip arthroscopy right now. What are you excited about? Well, yeah, it's it's um, like I said in the early days, it, it was a very simple field. You know, just getting in uh, was all we were doing, and 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 then as we learned from each other, as guys like myself who were learning from the greats like Joe McCarthy and Thomas Bird and and Mark Philippon and 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 others. Um, you know, our instruments were improving, our access was improving to get into this very difficult to access hip joint. And um, a couple things really changed the space. Number one is we convinced industry, you know, our partners in industry, that this was going to be a, a legitimate niche that they should, you know, put their money behind. And so they started to help us develop, you know, hip specific instrumentation. Before we were just borrowing instruments from the shoulder and the knee and, you know, or bending and breaking. And it was just a very unsatisfying situation. And so my first few years, that's kind of what it was, is trying to get help from industry to, to create a better way to do the surgery. Second thing that happened was um, right around 2003, 2004, we started to hear these, these murmurs of, um, of something called hip impingement or FAI. And, uh, you know, back then I, I, I do a scope and I, I, I get in and trim the labrum and sometimes the patients do great. And other times they just, they wouldn't do well at all. And, and I couldn't figure out what was I missing. And when I started to read these reports from the Swiss about hip impingement, uh, how some of the hips were, were misshapen, and that's what was creating the problem inside the joint another light bulb went off and I said, that's what we're missing. And so as we developed techniques that we learned from the open surgeons doing these surgeries, you know, through big, you know, big incisions and trying to apply these principles to arthroscopic techniques, um, it really changed everything that we did. And now 90% of the surgeries we do are all related to correcting this impingement problem in the hip. So that's where most of my time is spent kind of in the hip is taking care of impingement. But there are these niche procedures that are starting to spring up, you know, like you mentioned um, for Judy. Now I'll try to keep this simple. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. You know, there's a, a little tear on the, on the side of the hip and it's very common. And it's actually, it mostly happens to um, women in their sixties and seventies. And uh, it's very debilitating. And before, you know, we, we didn't have great ways to treat it. And, and now we've developed these, these techniques to repair this tendon to the side of the hip and it changes people's lives. I mean, they go from these horrendous, painful limps to, you know, almost walking perfectly again through this repair. And, and, and so 
things like that have burgeoned from the hip arthroscopy, not just inside the joint now, but now we're expanding outside the joint, proximal hamstrings, the abductor tendon tears, uh, the groin tears, and sports hernias, and all these things. It's really become this amazing um, group of procedures that we as hip arthroscopists are, are now starting to dabble in. And you and you guys are getting good at it too, and and the results are actually now getting good too, right? And I think that you know indications are important, making sure you identify the right patient. But right. I think for a long time, hip arthroscopy had a bad vibe because you know you could do it, but you weren't necessarily helping people. But now right. Right. you guys have really done well with that for sure. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, is that just because you, you you can do a procedure? If you're not doing it for the right reason, for the right patient, then it's destined to fail. So, you know, as with any specialty, as we've seen, you know, in the knee and then the shoulder, is that these societies and these groups of people who are interested in whatever specialty, and for me, the hip, uh, we started to, you know, gather data. And um, when we pooled our data, and we started publishing and, and, you know, in the journals back in 2003, there were no articles on hip arthroscopy, very few, uh, you know, just a few here. Now in the journals, you see, you know, five, six, seven publications uh, in, in legitimate journals like AJSM and, and others where we're publishing our techniques and, and we're seeing where our deficiencies are and we're teaching each other who's the right candidate for this and and if it's the right candidate, this is how you do it. So it's come a long ways. So for our listeners out there, because we've got, we, they come from all, they come from industry, the medical students, doctors, et cetera. Can you make a living doing hip arthroscopy? How, how, what's your percentage of practice compared to other sports stuff you're doing? Huh, that's a great question. I mean, yes, you, you can make a living. Um, I found a way to make a living. That being said, it's not an easy way to make a living. It's, uh, you know, I, I tell my fellows and my staff, you know, that every hip arthroscopy takes three days off my life. So it's a, uh, you know, it's a burden that I, I bear, but um, it, it does help people. And if you choose wisely, it's a wonderful um, procedure, but it, it's stressful and, and uh, it's humbling. And uh, it's something that takes a lot of repetitions add. And that's why these courses, you know, cadaveric courses and, and all these specialty meetings are so critical for the guys and gals that are interested in doing hip arthroscopy. And um, it, it, it's really um, a unique space. Yeah. And I can tell you, I mean, if you, if you spend the time, you know, if you're fortunate to be in a residency where you have people that are doing hip arthroscopy, and then you can do a fellowship to even hone your skills more, I think that there are a lot of practices across the country that are still looking for hip arthroscopists. It's still a job that you can identify and find, perhaps even in a metropolitan area where you may not be able to find another job. That That's absolutely true. And it's been that way now for a while where our fellows that that really dig into, you know, learning hip arthroscopy are some of the most valuable and sought after fellow uh, job candidates because of what you just said. So absolutely that opportunity is still there 
you know, the older guys, you know, who are already having successful practices in knee and shoulder and ankle and wrist and this and that, they don't want to mess with hip arthroscopy. No way, man. I'm not messing with hip arthroscopy. <laughs> like, we got to hire a young guy that can take care of that force. We're going to steal one of your fellows. Okay. So you will have to, we'll talk offline. Right, there so you go. A little bit there about soccer. Cause I know it's such a great passion for you. You know, you're the team physician for head team physician for the LA galaxy. You know, obviously you're still part of, of the Federation for U.S. Men's Soccer as well. What's happening in your life with soccer right now? And tell us about your passion, what it's all about. Well, yeah, you know, when I, like I mentioned earlier, Bert brought me in after fellowship uh, to help him. You know, he, he needed help taking care of, of the teams, especially the national teams. Um, you know, it sounds great and it is great. But, you know, when you're talking about traveling with the U.S. men's national team, I mean, you're going to China, you're going to Argentina, you're going to Europe, and you're not just going for a couple of days, you know, uh, you're going for a week, 10 days, two weeks, sometimes if it's a World Cup year, maybe gone for a month. And, and that's, you know, time where you're away from your practice. So Bert um, did need help. Um, and I was more than happy to fill in uh, with anything that he needed. And, and he brought me under his wing and really helped me understand the soccer athlete. Um, and it's a unique set of injuries and the nuances um, it, from a medical standpoint that the soccer uh, medicine brings. And so uh, being his understudy, you know, eventually he helped, allowed me to help him uh, take care of the youth national teams. And then eventually, uh, starting in 2006, I went to my first World Cup uh, in Germany and helped take care of the team. And then uh, went on from there. It was 2010. We went to South Africa, 2014 Brazil, and um, helping cover has been one of the highlights of my life. You know, and, and going to these special tournaments. But there's a lot of games where it's not glamorous. You know, we're sitting down there in in Costa Rica. I remember, for example, and you got to go down to Costa Rica to qualify. You know, they're in our region. So the men's team, we travel down there. And you, I know you've been to Costa Rica, the beautiful country, beaches, jungle. You weren't you weren't hanging out with Giselle in the compound. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, far from that. So we're down there, and we're 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 you know looking at this beautiful country. The people couldn't be nicer until the day before the game and game day. These Costa Ricans, the same goes for you know all the guys down in Latin America. They're so passionate about their soccer that they become soccer crazed fans and we become the enemy. Yeah. And so we'll be in a hotel and they're outside all night banging pans and bells and things <laughs> trying to, you know, disrupt our guys from sleeping. Oh, that's amazing. And, and then in the, in the, in the stadium, you know, these, these people are just so passionate and it's just an incredibly powerful, but hostile environment, you know, and, and you're going down there and, and just trying to get a result so that we can, we can qualify. And it's really, uh, it's really been a journey. So lots of stories like that, but, um, and now, take care, taking care of the galaxy, major league soccer has got to be awesome. That's awesome. And that, that's a little bit more, um, of a controlled environment. You know, we're not traveling out of the country typically, you know, the team doctors in the major league soccer, we really um, only take care of the home games. Sure. And so that makes it a, a little bit more user friendly. And uh, I've taken care of, helped with the Galaxy. Uh, I helped with a team called Chivas USA, which was a 
team that in LA for about five years. And then it was basically purchased by another group of um, uh, owners who rebranded that uh, franchise and call it LAFC. And this, this uh, program's now been in existence for about five years. So I helped get that up and running from a medical standpoint. And uh, this just this past season, uh, they won the entire MLS championship. So, you know, helping set up these medical programs, it uh, doesn't really matter what jersey we have on as, as doctors. It's just special to be a part of taking care of these guys. And, and it's been a really fun ride. That's awesome. So we're getting ready to close here. But one of the things about being in L.A. is that you guys always have some interesting projects that you could potentially be involved in, whether it's taking care of, you know, the Hollywood elite, et cetera. But you got to tell us a little bit about your stint with Dancing with the Stars as a team <laughs> physician, because, you know, you look at that stuff. I mean, that's pretty rigorous training that they go through to learn this stuff, I'm sure there were some significant orthopedic injuries that you had to care for while, during your, your sprint there. So tell us about that. Yeah, I'm not even quite sure how, how I got tabbed for that position, but somehow I agreed to take care of Dancing with the Stars. And, and at the time, in the early days, I wasn't quite sure even what, what that was, you know. And, and so, you know, I go down to the set and, and I hang out and, and I, I realize that, yeah, these, these guys are they're working hours and hours uh, every day working on these routines and there's a lot of just little, you know, things, overuse injuries and whatnot. Occasionally we'd get a, you know, a legitimate injury, but so I did that for a few years. It was fun, you know, taking care of these, these um, dancers. And um, I do remember one story that I'll mention before we get, get off air. Uh, this was uh, back in the early days when Jerry Springer was a guest and you remember Jerry Springer I mean, oh, yeah, a classic, right. And he had the, the talk show and the gossip and all that. And so he, he loved this stuff and uh, he loved being on the show and he got paired with a, one of the beautiful gals, the dancers that was paired with him. And, and I remember getting a call, I'm in the middle of clinic and uh, the producer says, you know, we, one of the dancers got hurt. It's Jerry Springer's partner. Uh, can we come in? And I've got, you know, 50 people lined up. I, I've got a huge day and, and I'm thinking, oh God, you know, can we do this tomorrow? No, we got to do it today. So it's kind of midday and the whole crew comes in. It's the camera crew. You know, they want to film. You got to film everything. Oh, at least they brought the patient to you. I yeah. thought I thought you were going to have to get in the car and go over to the studio. Oh God, no, no, no. So they brought him in, you know, and we get the, we get the x-ray and it's, of course, it's, you know, it's not much there, but, you know, I take a lot of time and Jerry Springer, he's asking all the questions. He's really drumming it up, you know, and so half hour goes by, an hour goes by. It's about almost an hour and a half. And I'm sitting in there. You know, Bird ankle sprain. <laughs> yeah, a, a sprain, maybe, if that. And so we get to the end of it and, and everybody's out in the waiting room, all pissed off. And, and finally we end up and I say, okay, is that is that good? You know, and the producer says, yeah, it's great. It's great. And Jerry looks at me, he goes, that was great, but let's go for a, a second cut here. Let's do it again. Do a second cut. <laughs> and I look at him. I said, Jerry, 
there, there, there's no second cut. There's there, no there's, second that, cut. That's it. Whatever you got, that's it. Because I got to go back to work. Here. Now, did you get on the show? I don't even remember. Did you? Yeah, actually... yeah, yeah. They filmed the whole thing, so you know. I guess. All right. Well, we'll have Heather go back, and we'll Google that. We'll get that little clip for you. <laughs> we'll make sure you get your moment in fame again for sure. Oh, Michael, this is fantastic. I mean, you know, we love doing the Ortho Show because we get to tell the unique stories of amazing doctors from around the world. It's even more of a treat when I get to hang out with a dear friend of mine. And, and get to share our time together. So, you know, thank you for really helping, you know, in the world of soccer, uh, in, in, as well as really developing the, all the things that we're seeing now in hip arthroscopy. You've been a, a key opinion leader in that space and doing an amazing work. You know, just we can't thank you enough for coming on the air and sharing your story. Thank you, my friend. It was a pleasure being here. Keep up the great work. It was really fun. Yeah, Thank my pleasure. Friend. My pleasure. This is Dr. Scott Sigmund, hashtag follow the fro, host of the Ortho Show. Till next time.